We tell stories that from the outside could look like sad stories. But when you learn about the families, when you hear the story, when you hear the purpose and the joy, you realize they are not sad stories at all. They are happy stories. If we can learn what everybody deep down really needs, maybe we can learn to serve and love on each other better. The majority of our guests will be special needs related, but that's not all of our guests. We are gonna have some guests that really don't have any special needs, but have been through something tough. We're hoping that this podcast can bring hope and joy and hopefully make you laugh a little bit. And even though it's not always easy, it's totally worth it. What up, what up? What up? You are listening to the Totally Worth It podcast. This is episode number three. Goodness. My name is John Gayhart. I'm sitting across from my lady, <laughs> Amy G. My lady. All right, Amy, we've got two episodes that are out there in the yeah. public. What kind of feedback have you gotten so far? Or do you have your own? Well, so today launched our first one um, with a guest, and that, I think it went really well. Donda was great. Man, she was awesome. So yeah. good. Yeah. Um, I've gotten really positive feedback. I don't know if we would get negative feedback at this point. I think people are being nice. I mean, I do think it was good, but I don't think people would come out and be like, yeah, y'all should probably not do this anymore. Right, right, right. I mean, we're still trying to make that that decision ourselves, but yeah, I've got a couple of observations from me. I have not heard it from anybody else, but it falls into the what might come out as negative. I sound like I'm in a bathroom. Okay. Like, I, I think people might think that you are in a nice I am. studio. I'm in my own. And I'm down the hall. <laughs> In the bathroom. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And your episode, I mean, your episode, your microphone sounds great. Our guest's microphone sounds great. Mine does not. Sounds like I'm down the hall. Maybe and, at some point you need to start looking at the common denominator. <laughs> Maybe totally you're the, the problem. I'm kidding. I think my setup here is the problem. And I mean, we have a fancy looking studio. It's really decorated, really nice. Oh, hmm. who did that? But I need, like, foam around me. So I've installed some new equipment since last week. Have you noticed? I do see that down blanket over there <laughs> and those foam squares hanging from the window. It looks fantastic. I have blankets and foam everywhere because I don't want people to think that I am... Um, is that our comforter you're sitting on over there? That's our comforter. It's under my chair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if this doesn't work, then next episode... Me and you are moving these microphones into the bathroom. You do have, though, a softer voice. Right. Not. I'm not saying loud or soft. I know what you mean. It's a softer voice, whereas I have more highs and lows. Yes. So. My frequencies are different. I got your frequencies. <laughs> but I have an echo. I sound like I'm in a bathroom. Okay. Um, the other... The other observation I have is in last week's episode, uh -huh. my voice cracked like three times like puberty crack. Let's not talk about puberty anymore. <laughs> I think we covered that on the last episode. But I haven't heard my voice crack like that <laughs> in a long time. I kept listening to it. I'm like, what on earth is that? So those are my observations. I haven't heard any negative feedback about it, but you know. I'm, we're I mean, just learning. Yeah. We're rookies. Yes. We're trying to get this whole microphone thing situated. So thank you for bearing with us. 
the uh, the important thing is that you can hear our guests and the important messages that they have. And that you can hear me. And that you can hear Amy. <laughs> I'm a facilitator me. that runs computers and I got everybody's working good except for mine. More me. More me. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. So before we get into our segments for this week, we're going to give a shout out to one of our podcast partners. Lifelong Insurance is a full service independent agency with access to several insurance carriers. This allows lifelong agents to provide you with not just one quote, but multiple quotes. They're specially trained to then help you compare the differences between the quotes ensuring that you get the best policy for the lowest rate possible. Call a lifelong agent today to experience the most professional and highly educated service for your insurance policy. Unbiased opinions, better coverage, better pricing from a team that is looking to form a lasting relationship with you. Come visit us at lifelonginsuranceagency.com or call at 469-606-4590. We use Lifelong Insurance. We do. They're awesome. They saved us a bunch of money from USAA, which was crazy. Yeah. So, you used to hear that USAA was the best. Yep. So you Lifelong was be pretty good. All right, Amy G. It's time for our segment called... See, what happened was... All right, you go first. Or do you want me to go first? Um, you go ahead. Because I'm our entertainment news. I, this is um, sketchy at best. We just had the Oscars. I want yes. to report on the Oscars, but I didn't actually watch all of the Oscars. <laughs> it's true. Folks, it's true. This may sound oddly familiar as John last week reported on the Grammys, but yet quickly informed us <laughs> that he did not watch the Grammys. I have good enough. Thank goodness I'm here. I did watch the entire thing. I watch until 8.30 p.m. and then I'm out. <laughs> I love the Oscars. I am I like award shows also. We kind of stopped down for award shows. But yes. for me, it's really only Oscars, Grammys. I like the CMTs. I'm not a big, like the Golden Globe. The other ones, if they're on, oh, I I'll love watch the them. But Globe. I don't stop down for those. So I started to realize this year about the Oscars I actually don't like them as much as I thought. They're, they're they're kind of boring. I like the red carpet. Yeah. And I like the music. Yes. But everything else is kind of boring. Like I, I like to watch what people are wearing. Right. I do like when there's a host. There has not been a host the past two years. Mm-hmm. But I do love like Steve Martin and Chris Rock together. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, who's the Hoopty Scoots? Um Kristen Wiig. Yep. And... The Saturday Night Live Girls. What's her name? Uh, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, uh, sorry, we, folks. Orange no. dress. Sequin dress. Uh, they were hilarious. Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. Yep. Way to come in in the club. Entertainment news. <laughs> it's Johnny Entertainment Gayheart. Um, yeah, I do like that aspect of it. Yeah. I like that. Yep. I like the in memoriams. Like, you know, I will always shed a tear. So what I caught this year before 8.30 came... <laughs> Is I loved seeing Eminem up there because I'm an, I like Eminem and yeah. he's he kind of uh, he knowingly does not perform at award shows so I liked seeing him at the Oscars I thought he had a great performance uh-huh. I really was looking forward to Billie Eilish yeah like but her. you went to bed yeah she did not happen before eight thirty so did I have you no, see it though no I have no comments on her other than I really like her she she sang yesterday during the in memoriam the Beatles yesterday yes wow it was good Ooh, i need to go back and check that out but what i my highlight of the hour and a half that i saw is 
the guys from Peanut Butter Falcon. Yes. That was so cool. So I kind of read a little bit after. And if you didn't see it, the Peanut Butter, Peanut Butter Falcon is a fun movie. You and I watched it. We loved it. What, the main character is a guy with Down syndrome. So automatically we're drawn in. And yes. it was a fun story. I thought it was a, a really good movie. They weren't up for any awards. They didn't win any awards. But, but they you, presented. But they presented. And so the guy with Down syndrome, his name is Zach Godeskin, something like that. Gossigen. Gossigen, something like that. He did really, really cool. I mean, he, he did great, but he was the first person with Down syndrome to ever present at the Oscars. Yes. So it was a new milestone, which, uh, of course, in our, world, in our world, we love that. Yeah. But what I really loved is the co-star of the movie. His name is Shia LaBeouf. No. Okay, Mr. Entertainment. That's not right. It's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> or Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> But he and I go way back. I, I call him Shia. No, <laughs> Mr. Entertainment. I'm, I'm so glad we did not discuss this before. <laughs> Shia. Shia. It is Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> well, that guy, props to him because I, I was really focused on him because it was obvious that they had they had it planned out who was going to say who. And they had Z- Zach? Yes. I already forgot his name. They had Zach. You know, he was saying the stuff that was going to be the easier stuff to remember. He would like everybody was giving him a huge round of applause. He even got to say, and the Oscar goes to, but Shia kind of did most of the heavy lifting talking while they were together. But Zach, you could see him struggling to find the words. And I was watching Shia because Mm -hmm. he was being so patient with him. He wanted so badly to allow Zach to get it out. And to have his moment. And I can relate to that because there's so many times where Mabry's trying to do something on her own. We know she can do it. She's just struggling. Mm-hmm. And we just want to jump in and do it for her. Because it's easier. Because it's easier and let's keep things moving. Yeah. And there could have been some some temptation for Shia to like try to bail him out of this moment that he was having dif- difficulty with. And he was patient. And kind of you saw him put his hand on his yeah. back or on his shoulder and kind of comfort him through. And Zach finally got it out. And I was like, oh, man. that like." So I, there I was some backlash on this. About what? So during the point where the envelope wouldn't open. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Shia kind of like laughed a little bit. Right. You know? And so people were like, oh, I can't believe he did that. And, you know, why didn't he step in and help him? Hmm. You know, that kind of thing. And so I just read an article. It was on Entertainment Weekly that um, Zach's mom like totally came to Shia's defense. Oh, yeah. And it was like, these guys are such good friends. Mm -hmm. She said, it's not a pity relationship. Like Mm -hmm. they are truly friends. And she said, he laughed just like two friends would laugh. Yeah. If they were struggling, you know, and they were grinning and giggling about it, you know, just because they're good buddies. Well, I saw that happen. It didn't strike me as anything except for that, except for them, you know, because I could, I could, I think that I was seeing Shia's heart that he loves this guy and he's really proud of him and wanting to help him. So, I mean, I didn't see that anybody got backlash about it, but you can always find. Do you remember the story of when Peanut Butter Falcon came out and Shia? Well, obviously you didn't because you just learned how to say his name. Us back from fifth grade, we call him Shia. (laughs) Um, But Shia credits Zach with saving his life. Really? Because when they were filming Peanut Butter Falcon, um, 
Shia was arrested for public intoxication and public causing a scene, whatever that count is. And I read an article that Shia said, you know, he came to set like two days later and everybody's like, Shia, it's okay. It's all right. It's fine. It's fine. And he said, Zach, having no filter, said, no, you screwed up. You're already famous. This is my chance to be famous and you're ruining it for me. (laughs) Yeah. So he was like, he was the only one who didn't sugarcoat stuff and like really made me clean up my act. Wow. Yeah. And so it, that just makes me laugh. Like, you're ruining this for me. <laughs> I think it was awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. So they have a true friendship. It's not like they just co-starred and moved on. Like, they are really good friends. Um, I don't know if you noticed, too, but um, I think it was during Idina Mazel's song. Is She's that the Frozen, Frozen Girl. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, they had that choir up yep. above. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I noticed at that point, too, there was um, one of the choir singers who was missing part of her arm. And there was also another choir singer that was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, like, this has come a long way. Oscars had a lot of bad things this year, but they had inclusion going they on. They did have inclusion for sure for sure all right amy g now it's time for our segment called well isn't that special all right you get to go first this time okay so this past weekend you and mabes went on a trip you went to run in a half marathon in galveston right correct so you were actually on a work trip and you had my parents drove mabry to meet you mm-hmm. okay I think it is, so I got Mabry ready and everything to go. I think it's absolutely hilarious that you sent me a list of what to pack for her. (laughs) What I wanted you to know is I had already packed a bag. The bag that I, the stuff that I packed is racing stuff that I know that she needs for an event. Yes, you told me that. So I knew that in your mind, you knew that I packed a bag for her. I wanted to make sure you knew the things that I didn't pack. Okay. Hmm. Because I was wondering, before this weekend, have you ever packed a bag for one of our kids? No, but Uh the last time we had this happen, this happened not too long ago. We forgot the night-night. The night-night was not packed. So I needed you to know the night-night needs to go in. I forgot other stuff. Yeah, you did forget (laughs) all the other stuff. And I needed to make sure there were at least 25 pull-ups in there for my two days. (laughs) Oh, I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, I didn't mean it as a list of here's what you need to pack. I meant it more as a list of here's the stuff that I did not pack. And that I might have forgotten. Right. Okay, I'm glad we clarified that. That you might have thought that I might have packed. Yeah. You needed to know I ain't got it. I ain't got it. Okay, well, that does make me feel a little bit better. All right, so for me... My story is about that half marathon that we ran. Okay. And something really, really cool that happened in it. Because you'll hear Amy and I talk about when new people meet Mabry, we see their true character come out. Like it brings out whatever is in them, if they're comfortable or uncomfortable or have a heart for special needs or don't. It amplifies it. Yes. And it's okay. Like there's people that aren't comfortable around it. 
and that's okay. Maybe they haven't been exposed to it. it does, we don't judge whether it's you're okay comfortable. when it's new. When it's new, yes, it's but not only their character in that moment. We see that their character in that moment, but as Amy said, it's amplified. Mm-hmm. So if you're a kind person, we usually see you at your kindest. Mm-hmm. If you're an ugly person, a lot of times we will see you at your ugliest. Yeah. If you are uncomfortable, if you feel awkward, whatever that feeling is, we see it at its most. Mm-hmm. And and it's something really cool. And usually, I would say like 80% of the time, we see the kind person being at their kindest. Yes. That's what we see the most. And so we, lo- we love that. So at this half marathon, there are, at, at all these races, there are professional photographers that are camped out in certain spots with their big old camera and they're sitting down and they're pointing it as runners come by and they then post them online after the race and they're for sale. And we, you always see the proofs, but you have to download them or buy them or whatever. We always have great photos. People take photos of Mabry and I. I look at a lot of them online. I don't ever buy them, but they're really, really good. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I mean, it's like how many of the same type of racing photo can I have? And I, you know, I could spend a fortune on these things. So there was a lady that I saw about five different times during the race. And she stuck out to me because she was somebody that as we she saw us approaching, I could see her positioning herself to make sure she got a good shot of us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to see the ones that she puts online of us. She's going to have some great ones. So I remember seeing this photographer specifically, and there's probably 10 photographers out there. I keyed in on this one lady. Well, whenever I crossed the finish line, she's right there at the finish line, and she got a great picture of us. Well, then as after we got our medals, we were still like kind of near the finish line. She approached me, and she said, hey, can I get a picture of you two that um, with the finish line in the background and all that, would you mind posing for me? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This is great. So she poses us. We take a picture. And she says, hey, I I am a professional photographer, but I'm not here for the race. I'm only here taking pictures of my daughter who's Mm -hmm. running. But I have got some good ones of you. Will you share your contact information with me and I'll send them to you? Oh, how nice. Yes. And so I already knew that this lady was kind. Yeah. I still kind of thought that she's going to send me these proofs and then I can download them or, you know, buy them online or something like that. I don't know. But on Monday, I get these five pictures and the pictures are awesome. They're so good. And uh, I'm not going to mention her name right now because I don't have her permission, but she did give me permission to tag her on Instagram. So once this episode airs, I'm going to post these pictures on Instagram. I'll tag her so you can know who it is and you can see how cool these pictures, but what I, here's what I loved. Cause I already saw her being kind. Mm-hmm. Here's where I see somebody at their kindest. So on Monday I get these pictures texted to me. They're awesome, but here's the message that came with it. That is really what touched me. The message, all she says is, I know there is a story behind these pictures and I know it must be a beautiful one. Mm. And when I got that, like I'm almost tearing up right now. It just gives me goosebumps because that is just a kind lady at her kindest. She didn't ask me what the story was. She can just tell from watching our interaction during that race that there's a story and it's a good one. And Maybe she'll hear it one day. That's awesome. And the picture she took of y'all, like Mabry was actually smiling. Yeah. And she didn't look like 
Bernie from Weekends at Bernie. That's what she looks like a lot. I'm not going to lie. There are a couple Bernie pictures in here. (laughs) Guys, y'all go check out John's Instagram of his half marathons and tell me some of the pictures don't look like he's pushing Bernie around. (laughs) We joke about it quite a bit. So go to Instagram. uh, Look at the pictures. I'm going to tag... Um, this kind lady who's a photographer, check out her business, send her a message, tell her she's awesome for being such a, so nice. Awesome. All right, Amy, we didn't get to, th- get to this part last week, but this week we want to do a segment called What You Digging This Week? So well, what you got? thanks for asking, John. I am, I drink Diet Dr. Pepper a lot, a whole lot, probably too much. Um, but other than that, there's not really a drink I like to get out of a fountain. And you know I love a good fountain drink. Fountain drink, just the right amount of ice, all of that. But this week, I found something I really like. At Subway, there is a strawberry lemonade. And it's delicious. Is it already, it comes out of the fountain? Well, it's like the specialty, you know, there's like the soft drinks and then there's like the separate thing for the lemonade. Do you have to smell Subway in order to oh, uh, get, get over it? You and yes, you do. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'll go get you your Diet Dr. Pepper. I can't go into Subway. I know. John's got this thing about smelling like the place he walks in. He does not like going to Mexican food restaurants. He doesn't like Subway. What's other places? Um, I've, I now, I'm, I hesitate to go into barbecue restaurants. Oh, boy. I like, I'll eat Subway, I'll eat Mexican food, I'll eat barbecue. I just don't like to go in there. I'll smell like it for a week. He is crazy. Hey, John. Hmm. What is something that you know that you're secretly really good at that maybe others don't know? I'm really good at spelling. You are fantastic at spelling. That is true. Yep. Yep. I would say that that's my hidden talent. I can spell. And related, I'm an okay writer. You're a great writer. Yeah. You're not an okay writer. You're a great writer. It's funny, though, that Slater asked you this week to spell something, though, and you're like, no, I don't like spell like spelling bee spelling. Yeah, because he wants to, he wants me to do a spelling bee. And I'm like, those are words that I don't... I'm, I usually haven't even heard of the word, much less know how to spell it. But I constant, I'm a horrible speller. Yeah, you're not a great speller. I can't. But I got you. Toilet throws me for a loop. T-O-I-L-E-T. See, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Is it the I or the L? Which comes first? I don't know. I think that's right. That might be wrong. Uh, I think I'm right. If it's wrong, I'm going to laugh. Yeah, there's words that trip me up. So thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. What about you? What is something that you're secret? I mean, you're good at a lot. Here's the thing. You're good at a lot, but everybody knows about it because you tell them. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a jerk. Uh, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell everybody what she's really good at that a lot of people don't know. It's our favorite thing is to give impersonations. That is true. That is true. And it's not as good, like, if you're not face-to-face. Yeah, you got it's half voice, half visual. I would say I'm, this is another thing we as a family really like. I can make a mean pot of something. Man, it's our favorite. That's what some of you may not know what a pot of something means, but that's soup or stew or chili. Like you said, anything in a pot, I can knock it out. Man, 
It's great. And it's funny because every time John gets three bowls of whatever it is, <laughs> and the next day he's always like, man, I should I should have eaten that third bowl. Not the next day, like five minutes later. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's five minutes later. He's like, every, I'm not just saying this is every once in a while. It's every single time. He's like, man, I shouldn't have had that third bowl. So maybe it was Sunday. I was like, he finished his second I bowl. I didn't tell you. And so he stood up to go get his third bowl. And I was like, hey, remember, like, you always regret the third bowl. He goes, yeah, I know that. I'm going for it anyways. <laughs> it's like, well, at least I warned you. And then five minutes later, I was hating life. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. All right. So we're going to introduce our guest for this week. She is a dear friend of ours. Um, mostly with Amy, and you'll hear the whole story whenever we get into the interview with her, but Andrea Mitchell has an amazing story. She's got a family of five, three kiddos. Her daughter, Ella, has cerebral palsy, and her story, it's so amazing that we've turned her story into two interviews. So this week, you're going to hear Andrea Mitchell part one. Next week, you're going to hear Andrea Mitchell part two, and you're going to be glad that we did that because it's She's like such an awesome person and has great information. Andrea and I actually went to high school together. And there's a funny story behind that that you're going to hear in the first part of the interview. So stay tuned. And we hope that you enjoy our interview with Andrea. But first, we're going to give a shout out to one of our podcast partners. Blue Sky Therapeutic Writing and Respite is a therapeutic community located in Aubrey, Texas. They are committed to providing quality opportunities for special needs children and adults by offering therapeutic horseback riding as well as their Purpose Day program. Visit blueskytexas.org to learn more about Blue Sky and shop their Purpose Mercantile, which carries beautiful products made by beautiful people. Blue Sky, a safe, happy, and healthy place for all abilities. Welcome to the Totally Worth It podcast. We're super excited to have our friend Andrea Mitchell on the show today. Hi, Andrea. Hi, I'm so glad I get to be both of your friends. Yeah, well, let's talk My about that. My friend first, <laughs> but then really your friend. Yes, here's the deal. So Andrea and John went to high school together. JJ Pierce whoop, whoop. and Richardson. Go Mustangs. 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 Pony up. Get your hooves ready. What is it? Get your, get your hooves ready. <laughs> I think pony up. Pony up sounds good. Okay, pony up. I love this story because, you know, social media gets such a bad rap these days in that it consumes our lives and we spend so much time on a blah, blah, blah. I think one of the cool things is that real friendships can form from it. So, yes, you knew John, but you and I have formed a friendship just from sharing like stories. Yes, actually, I had a girlfriend um, who went to a different high school than we did, but um, I grew up with it said, you know, John, you need to go follow his wife. They talk a lot about a life similar to yours. And, you know, this friend was kind of external from both of our worlds. And so yeah. she said, you go follow because I think y'all will connect. And we have, we yeah. have really connected and well. And I have several like that who are either people John works with or wives of people who John works with that we've connected through social media and John will come home and tell me something. I'm like, oh, I know that. They already they already sent me a message, whatever. And then you guys connected without me even knowing it. <laughs> we right? had lives. That yeah. is true. Yes. Facebook. We had lunch. Mm-hmm. We did have lunch. I know yeah. about that. But even before that, whenever I saw, I don't know how I learned about Ella, 
But it was, she's younger than Mabry. Mm-hmm. And so we were already going through the Mabry stuff mm-hmm. whenever I learned about Ella. And I don't think I even ever have told you this, but n- learning about Ella and that you were going through it, even though we hadn't talked in however, you know, a long, long time. Right. I think you might have been the first person that I knew that was experiencing the same thing. And to say that that brings comfort doesn't sound right, but it, it makes you feel not alone. Like yeah. other people like me are experiencing the same thing. People I know that people I've I done know. life with are actually like walking in steps that I thought I was walking all by myself. And it's very possible they know my emotion in this. When you have to, exp- you have to explain it to so many people, mm-hmm. you feel like you have to re-explain your story. And when you can walk up to someone and say, I'm here. They can go, okay, I don't need your story. I know exactly where you yeah. are. Like that's. Yeah. And good job t- yeah. just for being here. Good job. You did it. You know? Right. That's, yeah. That's you, you've achieved today. You Check came, it off. you came to lunch <laughs> by yourself. I'm proud of you. Yes. You can go travel for work. That takes commitment. Cause I know what it probably takes to get there. You've done it. Like, well, and you can attest to this, John, but for me to just go to lunch with a random person, how what is the percentage that I do that very often? You don't do that. You don't do anything social with girls. No, no. So, so it was a big day. You're lucky. I got, I got in lucky. at a good time. You're lucky I was in a good mood. Right, that week. right place, right time. And I just slipped right into Amy's you, life. You did. How do I even know it? It was, it was a sneaky maneuver, but you did it. I don't know if you know what John knows that he thinks he knows. Does that make sense? I, so yes. there's not a lot of stories that I tell about high school. There's not even a lot that I remember or that stick out or that I even care about. This story about prom leading up to prom senior year is one that sticks out to me because it's a reminder to me that I wasn't a very good, like I wasn't a great person in high school. I was, I mean, I wasn't bad, but I had bad like I just was you had bad intentions I had bad intentions and intentions might not even be the right word I just wasn't a nice guy I wasn't the, a, a nice guy like you were a good friend to people weren't you I was a good friend to people yeah but I didn't treat girls that well yeah. specifically I didn't treat girls that well and it's something that I look back on and as I'm raising boys I almost want to tell them you don't do this to girls like this is not cool let me tell you something that's not cool. Mm-hmm. So the story goes as I remember it, and it's I it, I think it's different than how you remember it. How do you? I mean, how do you remember prom and or the months that you and I even kind of knew each other and became friends? Yes. Yeah, so um, it's funny. I have told this story um, from my perspective, from the girl perspective, quite a few times. And I only went to this high school for two years, so there's not a whole lot of stories that I have. But this is one I've told. I was under the impression that we were, I don't know that I would say boyfriend and girlfriend, but I think we were like really good friends that maybe had the idea that maybe we could have been boyfriend and girlfriend at some point. And then my story is my girlfriend actually ended up asking you to a dance before I could and therefore kind of stole you, but because you weren't really mine, it wasn't like there was dibs set. So I got, so I was more hurt by the girlfriend. I like, I, and that's, what's funny. Like when we're talking about how we kind of became friends and how Amy and I became friends, like I 
have no, I came into this friendship with the three of us with no hard feelings. No How funny that, that God would do that. So that's my story is just that, um, that my girlfriend stole you from me. Uh, I think that she was the bad guy. Oh, now you're changing your story. That is exactly <laughs> how I remember it. Uh huh. This is not the story I've heard, Andrew. This is not the story how I remember it. But I'm glad to know that. I'm actually not glad to know anything, <clears throat> because the way that I remember it in my in one of my stories of man, that wasn't a very cool move by me. Was I agree? I I saw us in the same light of hey, we're becoming friends. Maybe one day we'll date, and then. You really helped me, and not even helped. I'm not sure I passed senior English without you, because I'm pretty sure you wrote my, whatever the research paper is at the end of your senior year that's important, I'm pretty sure you wrote that. And then our sophomore year in college, who got you to yeah, there's a th- American lit? There's a mm-hmm. theme there going on. There's a theme. <laughs> there's a theme. That's yeah. hysterical. So, so <laughs> Weird. that's when um, we were talking the most, is whenever you were helping me get through my senior English paper. Then I had every intention. I remember this. I had every intention of asking you to prom and where it comes in that I wasn't a great guy is in high school. And I think a lot of people fall into this in high school. I was very influenceable. I was a follower. I was going to do what I thought would gain other people's approval. And I remember mentioning it to (laughs) a buddy that, Hey, I think I'm I think I'm probably gonna ask Andrea to prom. And that guy talked me out of it. And I don't know what his intentions were behind it. I honestly kind of think that his intentions were that he might have liked you. <laughs> you ah, may agree you may agree or disagree, this but that's like was, a love square going on. Not a triangle of the love square. Uh, that's how I interpreted it. But at the time I took it as, man, he thinks that that wouldn't be cool. Maybe I won't ask her. And then so here's where she, your friend got the bad rap is because I met her through you and I ended up asking her to prom mm. the way that I remember it. Shady. There is some shady stuff going on at the JJ Pierce. It was. It was there a, was a lot of shady stuff. <laughs> this is not the shadiest stuff going on at JJ Pierce. Yeah. And so I remember leaving, like whenever I got out of the high school mentality, whether it was some point in college, it was probably... Around he the time you and carried I carried remorse, I carried like, man, I don't want my my sons to be like that. Like, I didn't regret it. I don't have regret. I don't regret things like that. I would do them differently if I got to do them differently. But it's I will use that story the way I remember it of Jack Slater. This is not how you treat girls. This is not what a good guy does. This is not what a gentleman does. So I'm just thrilled that we can be friends twenty something years later. Yeah, and that God wrote a different story in my heart so that it wasn't weird. Right. Like, isn't that interesting that God went, no, 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 I'm going to write this story. I'm going to let you hold on to different pieces of it so that when I have you with these two people later on in life, there won't be any weird resentment. Now, John might have told me, Amy, this is weird, because <laughs> I can't believe she's friends with you well, after the way I treated her, well, but that's not how I came I'm into I'm just it. glad you're healed from John's drama. Yeah, I think I'm going to need to actually <laughs> talk about this in therapy this yeah. week. Why am I not remembering things correctly? But here's what's funny is with my two boys, I have actually come at it from the girl perspective and said, you can't make fun of a girl. You can't. Yeah. Be mean to a girl, even if you don't like her, or if you know your buddy tells you, like, you know, don't ask her to prom, like, you can't be mean to her. And I would never have said that you were mean to me, and that I would. So, I think there's still like that teachable moment as a mom going, Here's what I remember as uh-huh. a 40 year old, you know, year old woman. 
from high school. And here's the things that guys said, not intending it to still hurt 20 years yeah. later. Mm. So Mm-mm-mm. it's all teachable. So all of these friendships were created and rekindled and all of that because of our common uh, denominator, <laughs> which is our girls. Um, so tell us a little bit about your family, a little about your family dynamics and how Ella fits into that. So my husband, Joe, and I have been married for 15 years now. Currently, our kids are, Ella is um, 13, close it in on 14. Um, our middle just turned 12 and our youngest is nine and a half. Um, the dynamics are, uh, my husband is amazing. I am struggling through life. <laughs> Ella has cerebral palsy and a whole bunch of other diagnoses, um, which came, you know, really quickly into our, the beginning of our marriage. And then um, we quickly had two typical boys, um, William and Jonathan, who kind of keep us sane and yet make us insane at the same time. Like, Yeah, so our families are mirror each other pretty well because Mabry's our oldest, who's our special needs, and then... Jack and Slater are similar ages to Will and Jonathan and, yeah, and carry a lot of the same characteristics. Yeah. And I remember the ver- when we talk about that lunch where you and I met, the one thing I remember is us almost trading stories about the boys. Mm-hmm. It was like we kind of were figuring out the girls' diagnosis and where they overlapped. And y'all still didn't have a lot of information you have now yeah. um, with Mabry. But the boys, it was really interesting to go, oh, because – we can connect on the girls and that's mm-hmm. interesting and, you know, always changing. And we could, you know, we can obviously sit here for hours and talk about the girl stories, but to talk about what the boys are learning yeah. and what they're learning at different stages and over the years and who they're becoming because of, you know, their sisters um, is really kind of interesting too of, oh, you get what it's like to have a boy that maybe doesn't want to sit and hang out with his sister or a boy right. you can't leave with her for too long because she's you know, bigger, stronger, and, you know, he can't change her. So, you know, it's just an interesting dynamic to to talk to someone that's, I mean, y'all are living our lives like just literally a step ahead. And so we get to well, get together. Ab- absolutely. And parents in general learn as you go along. We've said before, there's not a manual, but gosh, you throw this into it, having a special needs we're not only trying to navigate that, but we're trying to navigate how to um, do the typical life at the same time. So I think that's different as well. Yeah, and typical life really isn't typical again, right? Like like we'll go, oh, I have two typical boys who have seen, heard, and done more or less than their friends because they have a sister like Ella. So where, you know, both of us probably have seen so many friends go, oh, we're just going to pick up and go, you know, skiing this weekend. It's like, that's a thing. Yeah. Who does that? Do you actually do that? <laughs> and we know, like, if you were taking just one of the boys on a trip, it's like backpack done. And oh you my have, gosh. So easy. It's like, really? That's all you need. Okay. Yeah. And if we need anything else, we can buy it when we get there. But I did learn a lesson because Slater and I took a trip, just the two of us. And I let him pack himself. <laughs> And next time I'm going to make sure I say, make sure your um, change of clothes is not a knight costume (laughs) and full helmet, armor, and sword. That's awesome. Because I was like, he gets up. We're in the hotel. He gets up. He gets dressed. And I was like, no, get your change of clothes. He goes, this is it. I was like, 
I didn't specify. <laughs> Where's the closest Walmart? No, he went like that. Oh, did you? Yeah, really? we walked down the street, and um, Sir Slater was living life to the fullest. So, Andrea, can you give us the story of Ella's birth, her diagnosis? When did you find out? What did you find out? What were those few first years like? So I had a perfectly typical pregnancy. Um, Joe and I had been married about a year and a half. Um, and we'd only been together two and a half years. So it wasn't like we were like, you know, a ha- you know, five years into this relationship and we, you know, had years and years to figure each other wow, out. Wow, that's, that's I, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, we um, met and married in 11 months. And then 18 months from that, Ella was born. And um, so we're still tricked figuring each other out, figuring marriage out. We had just, uh, two months before she was due, had like a big financial kind of crisis. And so we were still trying to figure out marriage. And then Ella was born, um, you know, and you walk into the hospital um, about to deliver and you're like, oh, she's going to be a cheerleader. And boys will ask her to prom. And <laughs> or not. It'll, it'll be... Relax, boys. It'll, it'll be all the things I never had. It'll be... She'll do all the things I never... I wasn't confident enough. I'm going to instill confidence in her. And I'm going to do all these things. And here's what her life is going to look like. And you're practically picking out wedding dresses, you know, when they're born. You're just fantasizing. This is how it's going to go. And Ella was born and she was fine. Um, you know, if you know anything about birth, her APGAR score was fine and... She went to the regular nursery and they cleaned her up and they brought her to me and everything was great. And um, everyone was holding her and we were passing her around and no big deal. And then we realized, well, she's not nursing so well. I'm tired. She's tired. Let's send her back to the newborn nursery at the hospital. We'll let them finish all their, you know, stuff that they do at the beginning. And we'll get a couple of hours of sleep and we'll try nursing again. About the time that um, we were ready to try again, they walked in and said, you know, just so you know, your baby has been taken to the neonatal intensive care unit. She started seizing and having irregular breathing. And um, the doctor will begin shortly to kind of explain what's going on. So you start reeling. Wow. There were two kind of thoughts going on simultaneously in my head. One was, it's a baby switching story. I've watched uh, enough Lifetime movies yeah. to know how this works. And they have switched this poor family isn't going to know that their baby is sick or anything. So this is literally reeling in my head. I, I think I can cast the movie in my head at the time. And at the same time going, this doesn't make any sense. Like I just saw her, like she was fine. Like it really, like, I think something's wrong. And because you didn't see her seizing, you've just been told that she was seizing. Yeah, and, and did you even know what seizing meant? Like I knew what a seizure was. I mean, you could picture it in your head. Like even if you've never seen one, you've watched enough movies. Like you sure. have an idea. Sure. And so I thought that I thought that's odd that a baby would do that. Um, but I also thought it was our first one. Mm-hmm. We had no idea what we were doing, and we had she'd been born like twelve hours. Like yeah. I didn't know her. I wasn't like intimately connected to her. I didn't wasn't like oh I can pick out my baby from a lineup like. She looked like a baby uh-huh. and I just hadn't spent that much time with her. I felt like to really know, like know her like the way that I know her now, obviously. Sure. So I felt like, Oh, this is going to be weird. Like I don't even know this person. And I'm like supposed to be like, you know, like connected to them. Doctor comes in, tells us all the worst case scenarios. He wants to care flight her and somewhere that she can do genetic testing. He probably doesn't think she's going to survive. No other children will have will survive. There's some kind of blood malfunction. There's a possibility of a blood malfunction between my husband and I. And it was all worst case scenarios. Oh. And he's like, but we've started on antibiotics just in case. 
which after everything else felt really like this is all we know to do right now. Really? And um, come to find out in the first 48 hours, well, she seized for about 72 hours. Like her brain kept seizing um, no matter what they were giving her, um, which is so much of her damage. Um, she actually had something called group beta strep. It had gone into her spinal fluid, which went straight to her brain, which seared her brain, like sticking, you know, a steak on a, you know, hot fire. It just seared the brain, killed all the brain uh, matter. And all in her first couple of hours. And um, so, you know, it's so interesting. Doctors just don't know that much. Like they, they knew enough to keep her alive. And I'll be honest, had they not put her on the antibiotics at the timing that they did and with the urgency they did and the antibiotics they did, she wouldn't be here because that saved her life, mm. that they were just being, you know, almost cautious. But was that like their, was that just like, hey, we don't know what else to do, so we'll do antibiotics? Yes. So they thought the only thing we can do is antibiotics. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, intravenous through her belly button. Um, You have, when you're first born, you have a couple of hours where your belly button, because you're cut the umbilical cord, still has live active lines in it. And so that was the best, that, it was like a central line. Wow. Um, and so they immediately put two types of antibiotics um, straight into her system. And from 12 hours old, the child was getting just really intense antibiotics. And, and we would go down there and they would say, you know, just so you know, your baby's really sick. We're like, yeah, we got that. They called us to say goodbye twice. Oh my gosh. Um, bring your family, bring your, you know, pastor, whoever. How many days after she was born was that, those two calls? And um, those were the first two days so she was born on the 10th so the 11th is the day that kind of went crazy then they called us that day and then they called us again the following day um and then about a week in the, the nurses stopped saying how critical she was every time we would go in like be like okay well you know today was a better day they felt like you were prepped i think they felt like she was, she was improving she was improving her numbers were improving she was having to do spinal taps on a weekly basis to oh check for the um the meningitis levels um and so they felt like she was actually in a stable place. Like we would go and they, the words would be, well, she's stable, which for the first week was she's critical. She probably won't make it to mm. she's stable. Got that for about a week or two. And then it was, let's just try to figure out how to get out of the hospital. Mm. So mm. it was a month of hospital. Um, and it just, we survived. And you, it's like any new parent, you survive on lack of sleep, lack of knowledge, Lack of, you know, money. really <laughs> money, knowing what you're doing. I mean, it's so interesting. We had no idea what it was going to cost. Yeah. And you weren't, we didn't even think about it. We had no idea what we were dealing with because it was almost 14 years ago. The internet wasn't as readily available as it is now. I didn't have it on my phone. Uh, you know what? Thank goodness. I, uh, I, always, yes. I always think if I would have Googled all of the symptoms, and we've, and John and I both have kind of been more of a, We've just kind of let things be discovered. We're not diggers. We're not searchers. We're not, you know, determined to find an answer or a cure. You know, um, we've just seemed to be focused in a different direction. But I think that that was God's hand and God's provision. It was a gift. Yeah. Like to, to go back and go all the things they told us. If I could have turned around on my phone and typed in those words. If I had typed in group beta strep meningitis, um, there's a 96% fatality rate. Wow. So it's actually, it's the it's so rare at that point in history. It was so rare for anyone to survive it. We, ha- we have friends that had children that didn't survive that specific um, diagnosis. And so 
I know that, I mean, that was huge of God saying, I'm going to do it at this time in history so that you can't Mm -hmm. go in and research it. And so that your focus really isn't on what are we going to do? And it's more like, what are we going to do right this second? Like Uh in the next five minutes. Right. So she was in the hospital for a month before you could bring her home? Yes. So a month of NICU. And at what point did you hear cerebral palsy? So they actually will not diagnose cerebral palsy until a year. And so I had, we had a physical therapist that was coming. um, Texas has something called early childhood intervention. Um, And so as soon as we got out of the hospital, they had us signed up for that because we had been NICU'd. They had us automatically in the system. We got a physical therapist through them. And she, about Ella's six-month time frame, said, I want you to get really familiar with this word, cerebral palsy. I want you to look it up. I want you to read some stuff on it. I want you to see what it is and what it's not. Um, which what it is, is a big giant umbrella. And what it's not is not a whole lot. <laughs> it's kind of, it kind of encompasses everything. Yeah. Um, but it actually doesn't mean developmental delay. It really just means motor delay. So we kind of got eased into everything because Ella has cerebral palsy, which controls all of her motor functions, which include feeding body, like the motor functions you don't think about. Right. But then it also kind of got piggybacked on developmental delay, which is now intellectual disability. Yeah. So the, um, the strep B caused the seizures, correct? Right. So the seizures, in your words, fried her brain. The, the actual infection the fried infection her ba- brain and then the seizures kind of almost carried it through the brain. Like they okay. almost like. So this, the seizures caused cere- cerebral palsy on this side, but then also IDD on the other side. Yeah. So it's an all over. If you look at her MRIs, um, there isn't like a part of her brain that's not affected. There's not a part of her brain that doesn't have some dead tissue that doesn't have to reconnect um, where, you know, your brain is all connections. It's literally like the world's worst Christmas lights, Mm -hmm. like all jumbled up. Um, and you find a plug and you plug it in and you realize there's a lot of lights that aren't attached to that plug. Um, Ella's, Ella's, you might plug in a portion of her brain and you get very little Christmas Uh lights. So it's, um, it's really just a jumble of wires trying to find connections and, and there are no connections available in a lot of a lot of her brain. So you're in NICU for a month, and they're like, "Yay, you can go home." Yeah, now, I remember the neonatologist. <laughs> yeah, the neonatologist as we're leaving said, "You know, because of course as a parent you go, what what's our like long term prognosis?" And he said, "Well, she might just be really bad at math. Mm. Like we don't know." Again, God's provision of had he said where we would be five years from that point. Um, I would have crumbled to the floor. Like I would have just been a mess of impending doom. And you and I, again, our stories mirror. We mirror so parallel because if they would have said autism to me when Mabry was two or three, I would have been done. Because to me, that meant she wasn't going to go to prom. She wasn't going to drive. She wasn't going to have a job. She wasn't going to go to college. Like that's what that would have meant to me at that time now I'm like ooh, give me autism like we can we can do this you know we didn't have a diagnosis for maybe four years we knew she had seizures but we always had that hope we always had that there is a chance that things are going to get better 
Yeah, and so cerebral palsy felt like it it didn't. Ella was also an infant. So at the time, mm. she looked like every other infant. Sure. I could put her in a car seat next to someone else's identically aged infant, and you you could tell she was slumped over more or that her head, her sweet head, had to be padded so that it would stay back in the little car carrier for years because um, she had no head control until she was four. So, but again, at four months old, she looks like a four-month-old. At four years old, she, it's a huge, huge drastic difference. But we we learned little bits at a time in that four years instead of having to get all of it. If they had given us all of it in the NICU, I really think it would have broken me. It would have mm-hmm. broken my spirit. Well, and you know, too, at that time, we didn't have social media like we have now. I mean, I think there was MySpace, maybe. I don't even know. But, know. you know, so so much of our lives are comparing ourselves to other people, you know, and we compare our kids to other kids and we give it. And I remember we had, um, a friend who had a daughter. I think they were a month apart. Yeah. Same age, same age. And so we kind of did this infanthood with them. And I can remember, man, Mabry's not where this child is. And it was hard. Like, it got harder and harder to be around her. We eventually had to stop really hanging around them without making a big deal out of it because it was too hard on us. It was hard. And I would see kids her age, sometimes I wanted to knock them down in the mall. (laughs) Like, just go. Oh, see, look, your kid has balance problems, too. There goes Amy's Amy's fights coming back out again. (laughs) I never had those thoughts. I, I have never pushed another toddler. Not physically, but in your or head. Or on purpose. I didn't mean to. But in your head. <laughs> Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Oh, I'm just teasing. But it's hard because you, that's just the society we live in, in comparing mm-hmm. and, and milestones and red flags and, you know, has your kid done this? Well, my kid's done that. Do you think it's easier with kids that maybe um, you've grown up with? Like for me, the p- kids Ella has grown up with, it's almost easier to separate now I mean, there were definitely seasons where it was harder, but I would, I remember walking, um, you know, the boys are, Will's only 20 months younger than Ella. So he was at a soccer game and I walked by and I saw a group of girls playing soccer and I just, you know, nonchalantly asked the dad, like, how old are they? And he said, whatever grade it was. And Ella was in that grade. And I just like, I felt it overwhelm me to a point that I couldn't even make eye contact. I literally beelined for the car, got in the car and sobbed and was like, that's where she would be. Mm. Like, I, it, you know, like I had other friends who had kids and girls Ella's age, but they were just them. And it didn't, you know, I just had seen them their whole lives. So I didn't, it wasn't quite as in my face. And now um, anytime, you know, it's this 13-year-old girl, this, and I'm like, oh. See, oh, I think that's... it's the opposite. I think it's the opposite for me because that relationship was really, really hard because they were so close in age. And they were the same. Like when they were one yeah. and two, they were so the same. So that's the difference for y'all is y'all had a, a line of we were the same and now we're different. Right. Where for us, Ella came out different. Right. And so okay, yeah. essentially came home different. And so from that point on, I had to, you know, and my sister had a baby eight weeks later Mm -hmm. after I had Ella, Mm. um, a boy, but one of my best friends had a little girl two months after Ella was born. Um, And so I really was like, oh, they're, they're not the same. Like Ella's sick and your baby's not. And um, 
and I don't know it like it wasn't I don't I never wanted to trade my heart for someone else's heart well and I think that's a good point but at that time too we saw this other family kind of pull away as well because they felt a little guilty Mm-hmm. And that's not what we wanted. I think yeah. we have seen that a lot. And we've actually seen that more now in the last probably four or five years that they realize, well, we didn't bite y'all over, but how's Ella going to get up the steps Absolutely. to our house? Yes. Or, you know, we have good friends um, that will say, hey, come through the garage or we figured out a way to get her in the house or, hey, let's come to your house because it obviously works. Um, but then you have almost acquaintances that go, I don't know how her wheelchair will work in my house. I don't know how... This will work. And so they just stop inviting you because they really don't know how to interact with you in a normal setting. I would have to say in the past two years, that's been the hardest hurt for me. Yeah. And, and I would say our, our boys miss out on that. So yeah. because of that, because a bunch of families will go on vacation because yeah. skiing works for all of them. Um, and they just know, like, do we ask the Mitchells? Because we know that it doesn't work for them. So is it harder to not be invited or is it harder to have to say no? I'm here right now to tell everybody, all y'alls, it's harder to not be invited. Mm-hmm. It is harder to not be invited. And they probably say, oh, well, we would invite the gay hearts, but they can't come anyway. They've turned us down for the last yeah. five years. And all, and, and absolutely, you get it. We get it. But, yeah, it still hurts. You fall off hurts. the list. You're not even on the list of people they go, oh, let's not invite anymore. You're, you've are you essentially, after a couple of years, you've fallen off the list of, yeah, like. They're not going to be able to. Yeah, we're, they're, like, we'd love to take them. They're not going to go. Let's and move. this isn't, this isn't a pity party. No. You know, well, at least we'd be at a party. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'm just teasing. No, it's not a pity party at all because we get it. Because here's the thing. It's hard for us to pick up and go anywhere, you know? Yes. We'd love the option to do that if we really wanted to be there. I think as parents, as, as adults, like we want to just be invited, right? Mm-hmm. We yeah. want, I want someone to go, I really want you here. Like if you could figure out how to make it work with the five of you, I would love for you to be there. Yeah. Or if you could figure out if your attendant can watch Ella and you can bring the boys, like Ella's perfectly welcome. But if that's too hard for you, we still want y'all to be there. We are like at 41 I still want to be invited to things and I still get my feelings hurt when I'm not invited to things. We're human. It might, it might be, you know, leftover from high school. <laughs> and it's John's fault? It's, it's all John's fault. fault. <laughs> Wait, I thought I was the good guy. No, no, no. we're back. Oh, we're back. All change. <laughs> I like the way this is going. No, but all of that to say, part of the reason of this podcast in my heart is to let people in. Right. Let them know what we're really thinking, what other families are really thinking, you know, and that's a real hurt that so many special needs families have is because when you're not invited, it hurts, you're lonely and you're very isolated. I think you feel like you don't have a tribe, like your tribe. And and let's be honest, like we can love each other, but getting our five and your five together with our girls would be like... Very interesting. Mm-hmm. We we actually really don't know how it would go, right? We don't have a circus tent that can hold that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that would be yeah. a padded room for all 10 people. Um, and Slater and John quickly trying to figure out how to get out of that room. Um, and I just think like, so you would think, oh, well, you'll just hang out with other special needs families. And you're going, no, no. it's, you had two nonverbal kids who act out together and, and you don't have a party. You have an insane asylum. Yeah. Like, 
So the message for listeners who are part of the village or trying to become a better part of the village is the best thing that you could do for a family with special needs at a certain season in their life is to say, we want to hang out with you on Saturday night. Whatever that means, you tell us, how do we spend some good quality time with you on Saturday night? And if you asked us that, we would say, uh, just come sit on our couch and we'll order pizza. Yeah. For others, it, it's going to be something different. We need to go to the park or yeah, whatever it, may, it might be. It may not be at their house. It may be at a park that their child enjoys. That's right. That's or right. let's go to the mall and while my son does laps around the carousel, you know, mm-hmm. or flaps in the corner. You know, it doesn't matter. What yeah. does Mabry like doing? What what if you were like, hey, if, if someone called and said, because for us, Ella can go to a movie. Ella can go to a movie in a heartbeat because she can sit and we can watch. So going to movies with friends works for us. What works for you? We tried that once, didn't we? Yeah, it didn't work. (laughs) Here's the funny thing is like my best friend time, and it's not a couple's time. It's a time with me and a buddy, is she loves to ride in trucks. Uh And he has a truck. He pulls up in the driveway. She runs out, gets in the back seat. I get in the passenger seat and we drive for an hour. And that's my best socialization. Time. You know, Andrea, just the other day, you yes, were over. She... <laughs> um, wink, wink. I'm just teasing. Um, and she wanted to go in your car. Right. We were able to talk. You know, we can't. It's hard to talk on the phone mm-hmm. because Mabry's usually on our phone, playing on it. Right. You know, so driving or sitting on our couch. Yeah. Like, and if it's, if it's the... an evening time, she gets really tired at 6.30 yeah. or 7 and wants to lay down anyway. So that's where we sit in the living room and just socialize. But I think for y'all, one thing y'all both said is sitting in the car. I would say when I was in the car with Mabry and the more time that I've gotten to spend with just y'all, you know, whether we're standing in the parking lot, you know, in the driveway or what, is me getting to know Mabry, even in small snippets, mm-hmm. lets me in on y'all's lives. And, and you can't get to know Mabry. Yes, you can listen to Mornings with Mabry, which is a great way to get to know Mabry and to he- learn all the signs. Yeah. Um. But there's something about riding with her in a car. It's so interesting that you said that about your friend. There's something about riding with her in a car that you actually get to go, okay, she's acting like this. So how do, how would you, John or Amy, actually like deal with that? And I have a feeling your reactions would be very different. Mm-hmm. But as a friend, it's me saying, I'm sitting in the seat with you, next mm-hmm. to you. Now what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Amy says, well, you know, the golf the golf, you know, the golf course. golf course was closed. You know, you just go home. And I'm like, will that make her upset? And you're like, I don't know. It might, it might not. Yeah. Not really sure. We'll see what happens when we get there. And it's just, you can see that from a distance in a podcast on Instagram, on Facebook, in your stories. But when you're sitting in the car, when you're sitting on the couch with y'all, living life, and then, you know, you get to really know not only Mabry, but the girl, you know, the boys as well. And I think that's, it's so important. So yeah, if you're, if you're a friend and you really want to be friends with the parents, figure out what works for them. And ask them, just like you said, John, just ask, Mm -hmm. just ask and we'll tell you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is easiest for y'all's family? So Ella is easiest at a movie somewhere that um, she can sit. It's so sweet. So many friends invited us to parks when they were little and a park and a stroller and a kid who essentially is like an infant um, you know, can't hold her head up, can't stand, can't walk, um, is really hard. We found a few parks um, around Dallas. Dallas is doing a lot better at um, the kind of foam floored mm-hmm. park, so you can kind of get anywhere. 
Um, and also there's a handicap swing um, that we could put Ella in. Um, most people use it as an infant swing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just patient and we realize that they're just parents trying to figure out what to, how to entertain their kids. And when the kid gets out, we drop Ella in. And I think they kind of go, oh. Yeah. And then um, we had our neighborhood put one in in our park, our local park. And um, it just doesn't work. I mean, our park floor is bark. Uh-huh. Like you can't get a wheelchair through that. So um, being at our house helps a lot because obviously it's it's familiar to her and um, she can it's get accessible. Yeah. And we honestly, as parents, like even if I brought her over here, I'd feel like she was in everything. And I'd be like, I don't know if she can go in here or yeah. if it's safe or, you know, is she, was she go, if she goes on that hallway, like where is she going? Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're in your own personal space, they're familiar, but you're also as a parent, not quite as on it. Yes. You're able to They're going to break something. And I'm like, I could care less. There's nothing you could break at our house. But if Mabry came to our house, there would be a lot more accessible to her to break than Uh there is for Ella because Ella can't get up high enough. That's why nothing in our house costs over $5. (laughs) It's true. And it's an adorable house for anyone who has not been (laughs) here. Well, it probably came from a garage sale. It's adorable. (laughs) We hope you're loving our conversation with Andrea Mitchell. And we really hope that you'll join us back here next week on the Totally Worth It podcast as we finish up part two of our conversation. Have a great week.